Hello Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Alboverde. What's up Florida fans and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Go to rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On today's show, we're going to discuss the big news this week as the SEC made its decision on a 10-game conference-only schedule for the 2020 college football season. We'll bring you some comments and reaction from Gators Athletics Director Scott Strickland on that decision from the league and the Gators not playing Florida State for the first time since 1957. I'll also bring you Strickland's answer when I asked him what the Gators can do to try to maintain a bubble this season and keep their COVID cases down as he revealed that right now there's zero athletes with any positive cases or being quarantined at this time. We'll also be joined by Joseph Hastings from GatorsTerritory.com to discuss the big commitment from the Gators this week at the defensive tackle position as Desmond Watson, a four-star prospect out of Stefner Armwood decided to join Florida's 2021 class, putting them in the top five and leapfrogging Alabama in the Rivals.com rankings. I'll get Joe's thoughts on how that impacts Florida's defensive tackle position moving forward, especially with the news this week of Elijah Conliffe's exemption. But first, let's start with the comments from Scott Strickland, who discussed the SEC's decision to go with a conference-only slate for 2020. It was something that, for myself, I thought was inevitable once the Big Ten and the Pac-12 made that decision. Now, we saw the ACC come out this week and go a different route. They decided to play 10 conference games like the SEC, but also kept one non-conference matchup on the schedule, which kept the door open for Florida and Florida State to play, as well as some of those other rivalries between ACC and SEC teams. But at the end of the day, Scott Trickland revealed that a conference-only slate was something that the league was already discussing prior to the ACC's call that their decision really wasn't going to impact what the league decided to do. And once the SEC decided that they needed to push the kickoff date back to September 26th because they're expecting the COVID cases in the region to hit a spike potentially during Labor Day and throughout the month of August. So giving themselves a little bit of cushion for training camp and then students to come back to campus, they felt like September 26th was going to be the best time to start the season. And because of that, that only gives them 11 Saturdays to play 10 games. So they really weren't able to add one more non-conference to the slate as much as they would have liked to, as much as it makes sense, especially for the in-state robberies. It just wasn't something uh, that worked out. And as Strickland said, it was a function of the decision that they had to make. But here was his reaction to it, how he feels about the Gators not playing FSU, and most importantly, what he thinks are going to happen with the two extra league games. Obviously, you know, the, the idea that we now have a, a direction and a date that we can all shoot for and, and uh, the idea that we have a plan moving forward to try to play at the end of September, I think that's a positive. I think uh, even though we had a scheduled date, September 5th, the longer this thing drug on, I think there was a sense of, of unknown that, that is not healthy. So the, the idea that we now um, are working toward a date, I, I think that's good. I, I hope it's healthy to our athletes and, and their state of mind and also our coaches and everyone else, certainly our fans. So I think that's a positive. You know, playing 10 SEC games is going to be unique and different, and, and it's going to be a challenge. Um, 
five home games, I think, the most uh, a school's ever had. So, that, so that'll be different for everybody this year, five home, as, uh, home SEC games. Obviously, on the disappointing side, and, and as I mentioned last time I visited with you guys, that, that playing FSU was a priority. And, and uh, because of the way, you know, where the league landed, we're not going to be able to do that because of circumstances beyond our control. Uh, really disappointed in that. Wish there could have been a way we could have figured that out, but uh, we'll respect the decision we've made as a league. And we are going to have divisions in the SEC, and um, we're going to of the ten conference games, uh, the eight that were already scheduled are going to be a part of of who we play. So the question just is is who are the other two going to be? Um, hopefully, here in the next few days, um, we can have a schedule. I, I, the league hasn't given us a definitive timeline, but um, I'm hopeful we can we can uh, we can get something fairly soon, and I I do think there's you know the league will probably look at the the two crossover games you currently have, and try to balance who the other two are going to be from a competitive standpoint as fairly as possible. Try to create a sense of, of fairness in that process. I don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, you know as well as I do, somebody's not going to like their schedule, and somebody's going to feel really good about their schedule, and that's just kind of the nature of it. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, we'll play whoever they, they put in front of us, and our team uh, will be excited about the opportunity. So we'll see what two West teams get added to Florida's schedule, but Strickland made it very clear that despite the reports and suggestions that it could be the next two rotational cross-division opponents, which for Florida would be Alabama and Texas A&M, he basically said that that was just speculation and spitballing, and he doesn't expect the league to go that route necessarily. He thinks that they're going to do what's fair for scheduling in all teams in the conference. And some other good news that Strickland delivered is that right now the Gators have no positive cases among their athletes or anybody that's in quarantine right now. And that's a much different tune from what he said in mid-July when he revealed that 26 tests came back positive of the 50 that they administered to the athletes who exhibited symptoms after returning to campus. So that was not a good update that we got earlier this month from Florida's AD. But right now, zero cases on the team. So I asked him, what can they do once students get back to campus to try to keep it that way? He said earlier this month that you cannot create a bubble in college athletics, but we've clearly seen that the bubble is what works with the NBA, the WNBA, and the MLS. So what can they do in terms of trying to sequester the athletes, having more online classes, trying to keep them in the facilities as much as possible? And as you guys know, when they have training camp, they all stay in a team hotel. Their players are under curfew. They're not going anywhere. So there's going to be a time period where they're able to do that. But once the fall classes start and once we get into the season, here's what Strickland said about how the players can maintain a low case count. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, sports teams, not just football, sports teams kind of cr create a semi-bubble by nature. And sure. so, you know, guys tend to hang around each other. They, you know, they're, they're around each other, obviously, um, competition and practice and everything else. So we already kind of, you already kind of do get that piece of it. Um, a lot of it is, you know, will they do the things we're asking of them from a washing hands, face covering, sure. social distancing standpoint when they're not in our facility? Because I know in our facility, we're going to be requiring all those things. So sure. really, the bubble is only as good. The bubble is our campus. And that's only going to be as good as, as the decisions that each individual makes. Yeah. Um, so it's like blocking and tackling. We've got to get really good at the basics. <laughs> Again, it's going to be up to the players helping us create it on their own. Because mm -hmm. we're not going to put them in a hotel. Um, but 
hey, our, our guys have done a great job just the time they've been back here for the, uh, uh, for the workouts that they've had up to this point. You know, we have, um, we're at a stage right now, we have zero athletes who are positive. We have zero uh, on the football team. We have zero athletes who are having to be quarantined on the football team right now. So, um, and, and that wasn't the case. You know, in June, we had, we had some positives. But mm-hmm. uh, they've done a great job of, of doing what we've asked of them, not only when they're up here working out, but, but when they're off on their, uh, you know, when they have their free time. And so um, I just, I go back to our ability to be successful in, uh, in that area is going to be based on the decisions our kids make. When we come back from this first break, we'll be joined by Joseph Hastings from GatorsTerritory.com to discuss UF recruiting and get his reaction to the 10-game conference schedule. You're listening to Locked on Gators. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders parts on his computers, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We're now joined by Joseph Hastings from Gators Territory to discuss all the news this week that you can check out on our site right now at gatorsterritory.com. Joseph, thanks for joining us once again on Locked on Gators. How's it going, my friend? Thanks for having me back on, and it's going fantastic, man. I cannot complain. Yeah, man, a lot of news this week with the team and recruiting, and we'll cover all of it right now. Let's start with the big news that hit Thursday, the SEC making its decision on a 10-game conference-only schedule. And with that move, that cancels the Florida-Florida State game as well as the other rivalries between the SEC and ACC teams. And I think a lot of folks were hoping that those rivalries could still be salvaged after the ACC made its decision to go with a conference schedule with one non-conference game. But the SEC decided to follow the lead of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, we're going to get 10 conference games, so not getting to see the Gators and Seminoles play, but I think everybody's looking forward to some more SEC games. It was definitely disappointing because, you know, from a recruiting perspective, the Florida-Florida State game is always important. And I think with Florida beating FSU pretty badly both of the last times they faced, it just would have been really good for Dan Mullen's program to go up against them again. And uh, with Mike Norvell uh, in his first year at Florida State, just – them kind of getting another victory, which I believe they would have. It's definitely unfortunate, but like you mentioned, there's a bright side. We get uh, more SEC games on the schedule. Obviously, it's going to be a shortened season. I prefer that. I, I was in the mindset, especially with everything going on, that you were going to need to cut down on the games, and I'm glad conferences are recognizing that as well. I'm definitely not opposed to having more SEC games on the schedule, just more of those conference matchups, seeing some matchups that we wouldn't have seen this year. Honestly, I'm not opposed to what the SEC decided this week. 
as much of a bummer as it was for the fans to get that news and know that they're not going to get those rivalry games this season, I think the plus side is once you see some more SEC games getting played, first of all, it's going to be a treat for the fans if that gets to happen. But I think more importantly, it might lead to an outcome where we see more league games moving forward. Now, I don't think they're going to play 10 in the seasons to come, but maybe they go up to nine. And I think once maybe fans get a taste of that, I don't know if the conference is going to be able to change course. Looking at what this coronavirus pandemic is presenting, it's presenting a lot of opportunities for change. We already see that the MLB is having a shortened season going down from 162 to 60. That's obviously not going to be the case for future years, but maybe they decide, you know what, the old model is is not working as well as, as it had in the past. Maybe let's go to 120 or something like that. And maybe we can get kind of a same outcome within the collegiate level as well, just having more conference games. Because personally, I prefer that, you know, these big conference powerhouses recruit against one another. If we can see those games on a more consistent basis, I definitely believe it will help out with recruiting, and it will just be a better product. Now, the Gator football team is going through walkthroughs at this time. They're scheduled to start preseason camp on August 7th, and we'll see if maybe that date gets changed because the kickoff date has been pushed back to September 26th. Now, Joseph, whenever the Gators do hit the practice field, one guy who will not be out there is Elijah Conliff. We reported at Gators Territory this week that he has taken a medical exemption and is no longer with the football team. He will still be on scholarship, still be a student at UF. He just will no longer count against UF scholarship count. How do you think that impacts the team this season? Now, obviously a guy who suffered a season-ending injury in 2019 and missed all of last year. So the Gators, I guess, are used to not having him in the lineup, but he was the guy that was going to be able to definitely be in the rotation. I definitely think it's going to be interesting, especially with incoming freshman Jervon Dexter. I'm really interested in hearing what Damelin and uh, David Turner have to say in terms of how he will be utilized. I was kind of expecting him, even though he's such a dominant player, I, I was wondering if they would probably give him a year, maybe redshirt him, you know, cap it at four games. But at this point, uh, with Elijah Conliffe not not going to be playing this year, you'd have to imagine that Jervon will be someone who um, burns his redshirt, will be a contributor for Florida's uh, football team, get some early playing time on the football field that he may not have gone and get just a ton of reps out there. So all, it's very unfortunate. I, I definitely feel bad for Elijah. I do believe that it opens up the door for someone like a Jervon Dexter. We're speaking with Joseph Hastings from GatorsTerritory.com now. We discuss how Conliff's departure impacts the defensive tackle position for this season, but let's talk about moving forward because the Gators still have three other senior defensive tackles on the roster that they're scheduled to lose. So that is an important position in the 2021 cycle. David Turner and David Cooper have done a really good job trying to address that spot and recently got some more good news this week with the commitment of Desmond Watson. Talk about his addition Joseph, and what that means for the class in that position. Man, I'm so excited about Desmond Watson. Just, you know, watching him, especially at the size that he's at right now and knowing the potential that he has once he does shed a little bit of some of that bad weight, he's just going to be a a monster in the middle of Florida's defensive line for years to come. He's a, a very exciting player, very fast for his size, for his frame. And once you put him with Nick Savage in the strength and conditioning program, I just think that he's going to excel with the Gators. He's a potential three-, four-year player then going into the NFL. I believe he has that kind of potential in his skill set. You know, looking at Florida's defensive tackle recruiting in general for the remainder of the cycle, obviously we have Leonard Taylor, who's going to commit on August 6th at 1 p.m. He's going to be choosing between 
Miami and Florida. He's obviously a priority prospect along the defensive line. He's someone who's a little bit versatile. You can put him, possibly put him in the inside or the outside. Florida definitely does like him at the defensive tackle spot. There's some other guys on the radar as well. Um, Kelvin Gilliam. You also have Fabian Collins, who's committed to the University of Miami, but you know he, he admittedly doesn't have as much contact uh, with that staff as he does with Florida. So he could be someone to watch out for. Uh, and then former commit uh, Bryce Langston as well. I know we have them on rivals listed as a strong side defensive end, but he's somebody who can, opinion, be versatile enough to go on the inside and outside as well, just like Leonard Taylor. So there's a lot of possibilities for Florida defensive tackle in this in this class. Uh, it's a priority for them. And in my opinion, college football, um, professional football, uh, whatever the level it is, everything starts in the trenches, uh, offensive line and defensive line recruiting. And with David Turner there, uh, with the Gators, I, I think Florida will definitely be fine on that side of the football. Now, they have seven defensive tackles on the roster now, and like I said, they're scheduled to lose three after 2020. Right now they have two committed, and you mentioned all the targets. I mean, it suffice to say if they at least get one more, that they should be good from a roster number standpoint as long as they can get one of those top targets, whether it be a Taylor or a Collins or Langston. Absolutely. I completely agree. And, and and the good thing about the players I mentioned, specifically Taylor and Langston, you know, they're, they're versatile them, uh, enough to move them inside or outside. So I don't necessarily think that they're recruiting them for one particular position. But from a roster's perspective, I think if you add one of those guys and then maybe you could, if you pull off a flip of Tamisha Adelaide, who's committed to Ohio State right now, I think that would be kind of the dream scenario for Florida. Although, in my opinion, I could see them taking two of those guys that I mentioned before, whether it's Taylor and Collins or Taylor and Langdon, I definitely believe that that's a possibility as well, even with the addition of Desmond Watson. The numbers are funny how everything is going to play out right now, uh, especially with us listing Florida with 23 total commits. So these commitments are possible. But at this point, I think one of the three that I mentioned before, potentially flipping to Misa Adelaide, that would be kind of a good finish for Florida along the defensive line. Joseph, you mentioned the possibility of flipping. One more guy that I want to ask you about before we get off of recruiting Tyreek Staff, a Rivals 100 member, a guy who was once a five-star commit and is a guy that is still getting recruited by a lot of schools, including Miami. What's your take on where his recruitment status is at, how committed he is to Florida and the team to watch out for the most? So it's funny. I actually spoke with uh, Miami Palmetto senior high school head coach Mike Manasco, and we were talking about Savion Collins, and he said uh, something that was really interesting. He said, you know, the fact that he hasn't decommitted is telling. And I, I feel the same way with Tyreek Sapp. I, I know that he's exploring his options. You know, he's made it very clear that he's going to continue to keep his recruitment open. But at this point, it's been over a year and a half. He committed in December 2018. He's still being recruited by Florida heavily, you know, that, um, even though he is committed. They're still prioritizing him. And looking at the schools that are in contention, Miami, Alabama are definitely uh, scary options as well. I, I believe those are the two biggest threats. And right now in his recruitment, the other two schools besides, you know, Florida, Miami, and Alabama are Georgia Tech and Ohio State. I kind of view them as schools that he's interested in, but not necessarily as huge threats uh, like Miami and Alabama are. I, I would probably lean for him staying in this class, but the key is going to be official visits, in my opinion. You know, if he takes an official to Alabama, if those visits start opening up, I think that could be crucial. But at this point in time, I still have Tyreek in this class, and I believe that he will sign with the Gators when it's all said and done. Now, Joe, before we let you go, I do want to get your thoughts on the NBA season resuming. We got to see the Pelicans and the Jazz 
in action along with the Lakers and the Clippers. I was tuned into the second game. My son made sure that I uh, watched it with him. And it was just nice to see basketball back. You got seven former Gators that are part of the NBA bubble in Orlando, and then obviously Billy D coaching the Thunder. So I know you're a big basketball guy. Uh, how much are you looking forward to seeing that season resume in Orlando? You know, it's excellent. I've been missing basketball so long. I remember the date that it got canceled, March 11th. It, it was It's a date that I'll probably never forget. And just to see it come back and in the form that it's been back, I thought I would be taken a little bit aback by there not being any fans in the stadium. I liked the virtual fans that were set up on the screen. I love seeing the players compete and how the intensity level is high. Because even though there are no fans, even though they're in a, in Orlando, you know, surrounded by Mickey Mouse and Disney World and all, all that good stuff, you know, it's basketball. Once you get on the court, those juices start flowing, and you saw that. The way the NBA and WNBA have set everything up seems like they're really going to be in for a successful season. So, oh, man, I, I'm just excited. Hopefully we'll see some more commitments in the future from Florida. You know, August is supposed to be a big month. So make sure you guys stay tuned to GatorsTerritory.com, to Joseph Hastings. Follow him on Twitter, and we'll have you guys covered. We'll definitely recap all the announcements coming up in the next week or so. And, Joseph, thanks for joining us once again, my friend. Thanks, Zach, for having me, man. Appreciate Joe for joining us once again. Certainly a lot to look forward to in the month of August with training camp set to start and some big decisions coming up on the recruiting trail. We'll definitely keep you guys updated right here on Locked on Gators. That'll do it for today's show, but make sure you guys stay tuned to a new episode next week.